Uh, let me welcome you this morning in the name of Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God, who said this. He said, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So welcome. Welcome this morning to those who are tangled up, bound up. Welcome to those who are burdened, maybe not daring to look to what is going to come in the future. A welcome to all who are weighed down, aching for a freedom, longing for a lasting freedom, a freedom from the, from the rot that is within us, freedom from guilt, freedom, freedom from despair, freedom to live. You are very welcome here this morning. Welcome in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who has the power and the compassion to set you free. And when the Son sets you free, you are free for sake. The one who died for our sins and was raised for our justification. Father, we ask that all the praise in all the world might go to you. And may your kingdom come, may your will be done in all times and in all places. And we ask, dear God, you'd help us this morning. Help us to learn from you. Would you help us this morning, Father, to have a believing sight of our precious Saviour, your beloved Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Uh, please do take your seats. Uh, our God speaks to us and we're going to hear his word and read to us. Uh, our passage this morning is Galatians chapter 4. If you'd like a Bible and haven't got one, there is a box at the back. Please go and grab one. Um, and then we're going to read from Galatians 4, verses 8 to 31. Nikki is going to read for us. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. <clears throat> but now that you know God, or rather, are known by God... How is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? You are observing special days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that somehow I have wasted my efforts on you. I plead with you, brothers and sisters, become like me, for I became like you. You did me no wrong. As you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. And even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. Where then is your blessing of me now? I can testify that if, I could have, if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? Those people are zealous to win you over, but for no good. What they want is to alienate you from us so that you may have zeal for them. It's fine to be zealous, provided the purpose is good, and to be so always, not just when I'm with you. My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you, how I wish I could be with you now and change my tone because I am perplexed about you. Tell me, you who want to be under the law, are you not aware of what the law says? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, 
one by the slave woman and the other by the free woman. His son by the free woman, sorry, his son by the slave woman was born according to the flesh, but his son by the free woman was born as a result of a divine promise. These things are being taken figuratively. The women, the women represent two covenants. One covenant is from Mount Sinai and bears children who are to be slaves. This is Hagar. Now Hagar stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem because she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem that is above is free and she is our mother for it is written, be glad barren woman, you who never bore a child. Break forth and cry aloud, you, were, you who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than, than of her who has a husband. Now you, brothers and sisters, like Isaac, are children of promise. At that time, the son born according to the flesh persecuted the son born by the power of the spirit. It is the same now. But what does scripture say? Get rid of the slave woman and her son, for the slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with the free woman's son. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman, but of the free woman. Super. Thank you, Nikki. Are we going to be thinking about that passage throughout our service? Um, before we get into a little bit more, we're going to remember that though generations rise and generations fall, uh, the word of God uh, that we have heard read uh, stands forever. And that's why we're going to be thinking about it together today. Uh, so let's stand and sing. Be hot. Super, please do take your seats. Uh, let me ask you, uh, uh, would you rather, and um, I apologise about the colours there, they are terrible. Um, would you rather, are you ready for it, be a fish in water or out of water? In water or out of water? What, what would you rather? Shout it out. In water. Okay, fine, all right. Would you rather be a hammer or a nail? Go for that, Dan. Would you rather be a slave or free? Brilliant, isn't it? But it might depend a bit on what you mean by slave and free, mightn't it? Uh, The fish in water, we could say the fish in water is enslaved to the water, isn't it? Stuck in the water. It can't escape. No, the fish out of water, here it is, it's free. It's broken away from the confines of that great aquatic tyranniser, hasn't it? With a great Braveheart type shout of freedom. It's free. Um, Of course, once out of water, it is a goner. It's a dead fish, isn't it? It's freedom is a delusion. That's fun. And we're working through the book of Galatians. Um, It's a New Testament book. And we've been taking it bit by bit. And we've come to roughly the middle of this book. Uh, It's a letter. And let me tell you a bit about the history of it. Um, It's written by Paul, who once attacked Christians. He hated Christians. Uh, He did everything he could um, to get rid of them. And then, to his surprise, he met the risen Lord Jesus. And after that, he had to change his message. And he went from place to place telling people Jesus was the saviour of the world, and they had to trust him. And on his travels, he went to what is modern-day Turkey, a place called Galatia, and he told people there about Jesus. Some thought he was crazy. Uh, Some were offended, and they tried to kill him. Uh, But others believed, uh, believed the message and put their trust in Jesus and new churches were started. Uh, And then Paul moved on from Galatia. And when he moved on, some other people came, some other teachers came. And they said to these new Christians, they said, you are 
You're just half-baked believers. You're not the real deal. Uh, If you want to be really Christians, if you want to really be part of God's people, you have to become Jewish. Now, Paul heard about what was going on, and so he sat down and wrote a letter, which is what Galatians is. And the part of the letter that we've come to is a would-you-rather. It's a very serious would-you-rather. A would-you-rather be slave or free. And Paul is just really upset as he writes this. Uh, He says in verse 8, he says, Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who are by nature not God's. He's reminding them of what they were like before they came to know the Lord Jesus. They worshipped idols. They worshipped lots of idols. And that meant that they they did lots of things in hope that they could make the idols be kind to them. So if they want their crops to grow, they would do certain things to make their crops grow, to make the idols give them that. And if their crops didn't grow, they would try to do something else to try and work out why they'd upset their idols and try and make it up to them. Paul says you were slaves when you lived like that. He says you were working so hard, you were putting in so much effort, but it was pointless. You were worshipping idols, and they're not real gods. They've got no power. They were nothing. And that's what slavery is. A slavery is when you work really hard for nothing. Really, really hard, and in the end you get nothing. Like a, a fish trying to breathe out of water. It can put in a load of effort, but it is pointless. It's a dead fish. So Paul reminds the Galatians in verse 9. He says, but now that you know God, or rather are known by God. These these people, they heard the good news about Jesus. They heard that although their sin makes them enemies of God, God in great love came to them in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Christ had died for their sins. And he made a way for, for them to be rescued from all the misery of the world. And brought into a loving relationship with the living God as their father. And there was nothing they could do to earn it. There's nothing they could do to deserve it. It was a gift. They just had to receive it. And they did receive it. They believed and they've been adopted as children of God. In fact, we saw this last time. If you've got a Bible and you glance up to verse 7, it says, You are no longer a slave, but God's child. Sons and not slaves. That's what Paul means, to be known by God. To have a deeply personal relationship with the living God as their heavenly father. And yet, old habits die hard. Uh, I I want you to look at a picture on the screen for me. Uh, I don't want you to take your eyes off it. Here's the picture. You see that little bit in the middle? I want you to stare at that little bit in the middle. Can you do that for me? Don't take your eyes off it. Keep staring at it. Just keep looking at it. Don't blink. Well, maybe you can blink if you like, but keep looking. Don't turn away. Just keep totally focused on it. Look at it. Look at it. Keep looking. Keep looking. Keep looking. Keep looking. Keep looking. Keep your eyes fixed in that same spot. I'm going to take the picture away. You ready? Keep looking. One, two, three. Ooh. Did that work? Yeah. That worked, yeah. That's fun, isn't it? It's not there. The picture's gone, but you still see it. Why do you still see it? It's kind of done something funny to your eyes, hasn't it? You're seeing something that's not there. It's because you were staring at it for so long that when it's taken away, you're still seeing something. Old habits die hard. That's what the Galatian Christians are doing. Paul says, how is it you're turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? 
Now, at, at this point, the Galatians could interrupt. They could say, hey, hang on a minute, Paul. We're not. We've, we've, we've turned away from the idols. We're not going back to those idols. And that's right. What they're doing, Paul says, says you are observing special days and months and seasons and years. They're not going back to the idols. Instead, they're turning to, to Jewish religion in a really bad way. See, what happened is that they heard about all the, all the different things that the Jews are doing, and they thought, ah, there we go. These are the things that we need to be doing to get God on our side. If we do these things, we can make God be kind to us. And they see the Jews have all these different festivals, special days and months and seasons and years. That's great stuff. But the Galatians say, ah, we can use these to impress God. We can win brownie points with God if we, if we do these things. Well, what they're thinking is, if they want to get life and happiness and then all the blessings and the good things that God promises, they think, to get those things, we need to treat God like we used to treat our useless idols. And Paul says, he says, are you out of your living mind? Have you gone crazy? In verse 11, he says, I fear for you. Verse 20, I'm perplexed for you. Verse 12, he says, I plead with you. Brothers and sisters, become like me, for I became like you. He's saying, I never, ne- I never made my Jewishness a barrier. I didn't ever give you the impression that you had to become Jewish before God would accept you. Be like that. And he said, don't you remember what it was like when I came? He says, I was ill. I was really suffering when I first visited you, but you welcomed me. And, and I told you the good news about Jesus, and I know that I was a burden But you were just so happy to hear about Jesus. You didn't mind all the trouble. You would have torn out your eyes and given to me. There was such love between us. But now you're acting like I'm an enemy. What's going on? He says, I'm in agony. It's like I'm I'm in childbirth. I'm in labor. And when he says he's perplexed, he's basically saying he doesn't know what to say next. He's run out of words. He's run out of ideas. He does say something next. He's got a lot more to say. But at this point, he's he's kind of a bit stuck. So so maybe we'll pause with him when he's a bit stuck and ask ourselves his question. This is the question he's asking them. Do you wish to be enslaved? No. No. No way. These weak and miserable forces that Paul speaks of, it's a mindset. It's like a, a deep wiring in the human heart that says... It says, you only get out what you put in. And if life isn't going how you want it to, you've got to work harder. You've got to do more. You've got to try to outsmart all the kind of capricious forces around us. And when that doesn't work, when life doesn't work and there's nothing you can do, you just despair. Hope is gone because it's all about you. It's about what you do and you can never do enough. And I think it's quite interesting, isn't it, how often we find ourselves saying things like this. How often we find ourselves saying, I just need to. I I just need to do a little bit more. I I just need to do a bit more better. Or or how often we find ourselves saying, I'm doomed. It's it's all failed. I failed. There's there's nothing left. There's no hope. Or, or how often we, saying, we find ourselves saying, I hope I've done enough. I hope I've done enough. And, and we turn it towards God. We say, when I reach my final day, I just hope I've done enough. 
All of those things are signs that we are turning to the weak and the miserable forces. And it doesn't need to be like that. It doesn't need to be like that. Paul opened the letter saying, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age. Gave himself so we could become children of God. There is full and free forgiveness for all who turn to Jesus. So before we see a little bit more of what Paul has to say about this, we're going to sing... Are we going to sing a song where we sing to God and we ask him for forgiveness? Uh, And when we sing to each other and we remind each other that there is total forgiveness through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's stand. Please do take your seats. Well, as we look at Galatians 4, the question we're thinking about is, do you wish to be enslaved? Would you rather be slave or free? But there are some important questions we've got to think about. We've got to think, what does it really mean to be a slave? What does it really mean to be free? And what would make the difference? So in verse 21, Paul says, look, uh, you want to be under the law. You want to be under the rules of God. You have to listen to what the whole law is saying. If you just take commands of the Bible out willy-nilly, you will get yourself in a muddle. Uh, What Paul does is pretty masterfully in a few verses, he gives a... It reflects on the kind of unity of the message of the whole of the Old Testament in quite intricate ways that we don't have time to look at. Uh, But what he does, he speaks about Abraham. There he is. Abraham. He says, remember Abraham, he had two sons. Two sons. Here they are. Uh, One by the slave woman and the other by the free woman. What Paul's going to do, he's going to take these people in history to represent great truths. Uh, We could draw a bit of a table. Um, So... Got the slave woman and the free woman. Now, now what happened? We saw this last term. We can read about it in Genesis 12 to 17. Um, The world was in a mess. God called Abraham. God made great promises to Abraham. He promised everything lost in the fall would be restored. uh, The world would be rebuilt into pristine blessedness. uh, And it was all going to come through one of Abraham's descendants. All the nations of the world will be blessed through someone born in Abraham's family. Wonderful promises. So far, so good, but not so good because Abraham didn't have any children. His wife, Sarah, couldn't have any children. And and the years go on and they get older and they get older and older and the promises about their family start to look very shaky. So Abraham and Sarah sit down and come up with a plan. We need to make a plan. God made a good promise. Obviously, God's struggling some way. We need to help God out a little bit. Um, So we're going to take matters into our own hands. What they did was they took their slave girl, Hagar, and Abraham uh, married her. She became a second wife. It was a a shady business, a horrible thing, really. The idea was, though, we have to make it happen ourselves. And they did. Hagar had a son. But that wasn't the promise. The promise was that Sarah would have a son. Uh, Abraham and Sarah were were so old, they laughed when they heard the promise. They thought it was crazy. But God doesn't fail on what he says. So when they were too old and when Sarah was still barren, God gave Sarah a son. Paul says in verse 23, Abraham's son by the slave woman was born according to the flesh, by human initiative, human effort. But the son by the free woman was born as a result of the promise. Paul says, right, we're going to take all this figuratively, not making a comment so much on the people of history, but what they represent. 
says they represent two covenants, two ways of working things out. One covenant is from Mount Sinai, where the commands of God were first given. And they represent the present city of Jerusalem. It's a way of saying um, all who base their relationship with God on successfully following the rules. Paul says that produces slavery. And, And this slavery, it's not that they don't want the things of God. It's they want the things of God on their own terms. This slavery has this atmosphere where they they never feel like a patient with a doctor. They always feel like a trader in a marketplace. They feel like what they've got in their own pocket, by their own efforts, their own abilities, their own achievements, that will buy them what they need. And this kind of slavery hates the suggestion that what you do is not enough. This slavery hates the idea that you can that you can't fix it for yourself. This slavery finds it insulting to be told that the best you do is only dust on the scales. This this slavery despises the idea you have to trust somebody else. And so the pattern has always been that this slavery persecutes the free. That was how Abraham's two sons related. Uh, Hagar's son bullied Sarah's son. And Paul says it's the same thing that's happening now. The principle of this slavery is it's according to the flesh, by your efforts on your terms. But here's the key feature to this slavery. Don't miss this. The key thing about this slavery is that at the end, there is no inheritance. At the end, there is no inheritance. This is the thing we have to get about when Paul talks about slavery. He's talking about spending out great effort, grinding yourself into the dirt, and at the end, there's nothing. Do you wish to be enslaved? That's the question. Do do, do you want to spend your life, literally spend your life, pour it out, work it out, strive it out, grind yourself into the dirt, and at the end, nothing? Why would the Galatians do that? Why would they turn back to the weak and miserable forces? Why would they go back to slavery? Surely it's only because they don't see it like that. I guess people can be like that today, can't they? Some people can live with the freedom of a skydiver who has a malfunctioning parachute. Enjoying the thrill of the fall. Loving the intense adrenaline and the pleasure, but all the while being bound, enslaved to the inexorable force of gravity that will end their fall with nothing. People today can live with the illusion of freedom, like a fish liberating itself from the constraints of water. But being free from water means a dead fish, because fish were not made for being outside of water. Do you wish to be enslaved? It doesn't need to be this way. Now, Paul doesn't just describe slavery. He also, we can fill in the other side of the column, the freedom column, uh, the son born of the free woman, Um, By the result of a divine promise. With a different operating principle. Now, he says it's by the power of the Spirit. A divine infusion of life. The promise made to Abraham of a new world is a promise of a new home. Not the present Jerusalem, Paul says, and the slavery that comes with it. But he says, it's the Jerusalem above. And she is free. She is our mother. It's what the Bible calls new creation. 
Life beyond the misery, beyond the, the brokenness of this world. The life that we ache for, deep down inside, we ache for it. That's the inheritance. The slave doesn't inherit anything. But the slave doesn't need to remain a slave. That's the Galatian story, isn't it? Paul said it already. Once you were slaves, but now you are known by God. This is the Galatian story. You are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Now here's the thing, the key thing, the key difference between the slavery and, and the freedom, between a slave and a son, is that the slave gives great effort and ends with nothing, but the son without any effort at all. Simply by virtue of being a son, simply by being a child, has everything. Inheritance is not earned, it's the right of being a child. Now, freedom is not, it's not skydiving without a parachute. Freedom isn't to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of this world before we meet the ground with force. Freedom is not to live however you like, like a fish leaping from the water. Freedom isn't to make it up for yourself. Freedom is this, and the way that Paul speaks about it. Freedom is when there is the absence of any constraint. When there is the absence of anything that would inhibit you from eternal happiness. That is freedom. That's why Paul says the Jerusalem above, the heavenly city, that's free. In verse 27, Paul brings in the prophet Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah reflecting on the story of Sarah, the promise, the eternal hope of the new world. And Notice what he says. Be glad. Be glad, barren woman, you who never bore a child. Break forth and cry aloud. Not the weak and the miserable forces of slavery, but instead of misery, there is a bursting forth with loud cries of happiness. Instead of weakness, there's the power of transformation. The, the transformation of emptiness and brokenness and barrenness and deadness into abundance of life. So do you wish to be enslaved? You don't need to be. You don't need to live like a slave. Now, out of the barrenness of Sarah's womb came the child of promise. And from the generations that flowed from Sarah in time was born the child of promise. The Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, made Son of Man in order to rescue us from the misery and mess of our lives in this world and adopt us into the family of God. Not just adoption in name, but adoption in, in new birth. Now, Paul writes in verse 19, if you've got a Bible, look at verse 19. He says, my dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth, until Christ is formed in you. That's the mysterious miracle of salvation. That when someone trusts Christ, the Spirit gives them life. They are born again, and the Spirit of God brings the life of the living Christ into them. The very essence of being a Christian is Christ formed in you. That's why there's freedom. The Christ formed in you, that's why there's freedom. That's why every barrier to eternal happiness can come crashing down. Now, let's, let's think for a minute. What might be a barrier to eternal happiness? I'll give you a biggie to start with. Here's a barrier to our eternal happiness. God will not let sinners into his heaven. That's a barrier, isn't it? But Christ has died. Died for sins. He's paid the price. 
So our sin cannot shut us out from heaven when Christ is formed in us. How about this as a barrier? My mortality. My mortality is a barrier to my eternal happiness. I'll be dead and gone. Ah, but Christ. Christ, after he died, he rose again. He's been raised up to a new life, clothing his humanity with immortality. A new mode of existence that is incorruptible and imperishable and glorious. So our mortality cannot shut us out from heaven. Because when Christ is formed in us, we are guaranteed to go as he has gone. We follow him, follow his pattern through our death and into resurrection life forever and ever and ever. So do you wish to be enslaved? No. Do you want to spend your life and put your efforts into things that will not satisfy? Or will you receive the one who spent his life for you? Will you take hold of the one whose efforts have secured for you adoption into the family of God and a future that is gloriously bright? Now we're going to sing again. Uh, As we sing, we're going to remember what Christ has done to secure our freedom. What Christ has done to bring down every barrier to our eternal happiness. Because those who have Christ who, those who have Christ formed in them, those whom Jesus Christ has set free, they are free indeed. Let's stand and sing about the man of sorrows and what he has done to win our freedom. Life of the church, um, all the usual things are happening, uh, which will be in the email you receive on a Monday morning. Um, if you don't get that email and you'd like to, please do speak to me. Uh, and you'll find out about what is going on. Um, Today is our bring and share lunch. Um, If you didn't come prepared for that but would like to stay, please do, so we can have a bit more time together. Uh, But we're going to spend some time in prayer now, um, and Tash is going to come and help us pray. Thank you, Tash. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the truths that we've... um, been learning today we thank you lord um, for who you are thank you father that you sit enthroned in the heavens that you um, are in control of everything that you do what you please we thank you that um, that you are good that you are righteous that you are just that you are merciful thank you lord that you did not scorn the earth but you you put your Son Jesus on it, you, you sent him to walk on this earth to, um, to redeem us, to set us free. And just thank you, Jesus, that you came, that you were willing to do your Father's will, that you were willing to give up your life for our sakes so that we don't need to live in slavery. And we just pray, Lord, that we would, we would not take on that yoke of slavery, but that we would, um, we would live in freedom with Christ that we would honour you with our lives because we love you and not because we're trying to earn you. And, um, Father, we um, come before you this morning and we pray for our mission partners in Moldova. Uh, Lord, we, we know that Moldova is on the southern border of Ukraine and has been greatly affected by the conflict. And um, we know as well that Moldova is the, the poorest country in Europe that it is uh, taking far more refugees than it can manage. 
And we just pray, Lord, for our mission partners in Moldova. We pray for the works that they are doing to try and support the refugees that are coming in. Uh, we pray for Igor, Lord, collecting refugees from the border and uh, putting them up in his own house. Um, we pray for Samuel and Eugenie and the others in, <coughs> in Leova um, as they're converting their buildings, uh, their kindergartens, their camp buildings um, into places where the refugees can stay. And we pray, Lord, that you would speed that work, that you would give them all the resources that they need to be able to do it. Um, and that they would be able to uh, take people in. Um, and we pray for uh, the 100 Russian-speaking Ukrainian refugees that are being housed in summer camps in Kamishu, and um, for Anna and her team that have been looking after them and sharing the gospel with them. Lord, we do pray that, that through this terrible conflict, Lord, that, that your name would be glorified. We pray that that Jesus would be spoken to the people that are coming out and that you would be healing people's lives. Um, you would be drawing them to yourself and showing them your great love and mercy for them, despite what they've been through, that they would find their hope in Jesus. And we just pray for the country of Moldova as a whole. Lord, we pray for wisdom for the government um, and as they uh, yeah, deal with, with, uh, with the Ukrainian conflict on their border, um, and as it potentially spills um, into their country, Lord, we do pray for wisdom. Uh, we pray for um, the government to, to act righteously. And Lord, we pray that they may consult you, that they may um, ask you for strength to help them. And we pray for the Moldovan people that they would act um, towards the Ukrainians with love, grace, charity, Lord, and that you would provide them everything that they need. Um, that out of their great poverty, they would be generous, um, as we read that uh, people did in the Bible, Lord. And, um, Lord, we pray as well for the upcoming medical summer camp that Ruslan and Emanuela are leading and attending. And thank you for their recent marriage. We pray, Lord, that you would strengthen them, help them in their ministry, help the Christian Medical Society to grow closer to Jesus and to serve him well in the mobile clinics that they set up. And Father, we're remembering as well our church covenant this morning, um, the covenant that we promised to each other that we would be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And Father, we pray that as a church we would be united under your word, your word that is Jesus Christ, that we would be faithful to the scriptures that you have given us, that we would have hearts open to your Holy Spirit. And um, yeah, we pray Lord, that as we have sung this morning, that you would give us eyes to see each other through your only Son. That we would not put our own needs first, but that your Holy Spirit would effect change in our lives and bind us together in unity under the name of Jesus. We pray, Lord, that we would have peace together, that we would seek your will at any moments of disagreement with each other, that we would put others before ourselves as we're taught to do in the scriptures. And that we would put the needs of our brothers and sisters within church above those of our own desires. And so we pray, Lord, that you would maintain us in unity, in peace, and that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit and, and enable your spirit to direct and guide the course of our lives. And enable your, um, us to glorify Jesus through the work of the Holy Spirit. We pray these things in Jesus' name and for your glory, Father. Amen.
the principle of slavery says uh, that it's about me. Uh, the principle of freedom says it's not about me. It's about Christ in me. Uh, we're going to sing and remember that as we sing, yet not I, but through Christ in me. And do you wish to be enslaved? Would you rather be slave or free? As we wrap it together, let's approach this question just for a minute from a, a slightly different angle. Uh, what does God want for you? What's God's will for your life? That's a huge question. People often get quite tangled up with that. Um, but if you've got a Bible, just look with me at the next verse after our passage. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. We have a clear statement of what Christ's will is for your life. This is what it says. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Christ wants you to be free. That's what Christ wants for you. He wants you to enjoy eternal happiness. And Christ has done everything that is needed. Christ has brought down every barrier. He's removed every obstacle. And it cost him everything. It cost him so much. But he did it to set you free. Who is it who set you free? Christ has. Galatians 4.4 4 says the Son of God became Son of Man so that through his death on the cross, paying a price to redeem you from your sins, he might rescue you from the present evil age. Christ has done that. And Christ has such a, a limitless supply of grace for you. Imagine you're standing at the, the edge of a, of a great ocean. The waves are just lapping at your feet and you look out and the ocean falls beyond the horizon in every direction. And, and you imagine in that ocean that there's no bottom to it. It just goes down and down and down and down. And, and, and this water of the ocean, this is, this is the water of mercy and of grace that you need desperately. Grace for your sin, the merciful healing for all your brokenness. And you are commanded to drink. And you drink, and it's the sweetest thing you've ever tasted. And you drink, and you drink, and you drink deeply. You put your head in the water, and you drink, and you drink, and you drink. All the grace and the mercy that you need. All the grace and the mercy for, for all the world of sin that is in you. It's all there, and you're drinking, and you're drinking. And along the shore are all the redeemed of God. All the people of God drinking and drinking and drinking. And after all the drinking is done, the level of that ocean has not dropped by even a hairbreadth. Can't touch it. There is enough for millions of worlds of sinners because it is supplied by the infinite, limitless source of Christ himself. Christ has made it sure. He's done it by giving himself and he is very, very sufficient. And that means that every objection that is ever raised to our eternal happiness is always answered in the same way. Christ. Every doubt we have about our eternal happiness is always answered in the same way. Christ. Always answered like that. All who are his. All who trust him and so have him formed in them. Christ has set you free for freedom. So what should you do? Well, it says, stand firm. 
Do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Because old habits die hard. Old habits surprise us. Our, our, our slavery might jump from one thing to the next. One moment it might be the fleeting pleasures of sin. Next it might be the crushing burden of religious conformity. And then it goes back and forth. And we find ourselves saying again, oh, I just need to. I just need to do a bit more. I just need to be a bit more. I need to go a bit harder. I need to push it a bit more. And, and then we find ourselves saying, I just hope that I've done enough. All I can do is hope that I've done enough. And then we find ourselves saying another time, well, I'm doomed, aren't I? Because I can't do enough. I'm just a failure and I haven't got what it takes. Well, God's will for you is your freedom. So above everything that we might worry about in life, everything we might pray about, everything we might seek guidance and and help with, let this thing sit above everything else. Let's pray and study and seek to stand firm in freedom. There is no condemnation. Your future is incredibly bright. Christ has done everything needed to bring you to eternal happiness. And anyone can get in on this. Anybody can turn from slavery and trust Christ. And trusting Christ find themselves to be a beloved child of the living God. So ask yourselves in the depths of your heart, do you wish to be enslaved? Would you rather be slave or free? Because you don't need to be a slave. Because Christ has done everything. And his will for you is your freedom. Let's pray. God in heaven, we pray that the will of Christ for us would be done and realized and experienced and enjoyed in our lives. Lord, I pray that any of us here today who remain a slave might know that it doesn't need to be that way. But that turning to Christ, there is freedom. And for those of us who have turned to Christ and yet find ourselves getting wrapped up again and tangled up in all kinds of things, may we know that Christ has set us free. And that when we are free in Christ, we are free indeed. Help us to stand firm in this and not go back. Amen. Let's stand together. All I have is because of Jesus. All his promise is one for me. When he paid the highest ransom once.